Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. The following podcast is an exclusive presentation of Project Entertainment Network. The Prolific Writer Podcast, episode number 55. Tim Spikester stops by the show to talk about the Christian market. Let's go. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is your Prolific Writer Podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton, and I am so glad that you are here. However you found us, the podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, write often, and write well. And today I'm thrilled to have Tim Spikstra on the show, who is a longtime friend, a longtime mentor, and an all-around good guy. And I'm really looking forward to sharing this interview, this episode with you. And I wanted to start our time. I realized that we didn't have a show last week, and I, I want to apologize for that. We had some confusion over some scheduling things and missed the week kind of coming out of the holidays. There was some confusion, and so we missed a week, which we haven't missed really hardly any weeks in the last year. So I apologize for that. And I also wanted to say that there is a possibility that we could be missing another week. And that's because my wife is going to have our baby very, very soon. And so if you're hearing this, it's a Friday, uh, any day after that. And so looking forward to that. What a huge gift and a blessing. Our fourth child is going to be chaos in our home. So no guarantees that there will be a podcast the following week, but we will do our best to get something out. We already have something in the pipeline. So I'll see if we can get that out there and uh, queued up for you. So you won't uh, miss any of the prolific writer podcast goodness while we are having a child. And uh, well, technically my wife's having a child, but you know how that goes. And uh, yeah, a lot of uh, lack of sleep and all that good stuff that goes along with that. So we will do our best to um, work through all of that, but we're really excited about that. So uh, today I have a privilege to have a friend on uh, who a longtime friend, uh, Tim Spikestra. And Tim uh, is a former pastor uh, like myself, and uh, I'm still a pastor, but he's a former pastor and uh, and has begun to do some writing and has cranked out a couple books in the last couple of years and has got another one in the works. And um, and I always believe that Tim would be a guy who would write books. He's, he's a very, uh, just a gifted speaker and communicator and preacher and always had good ideas about different things. And so I'm really excited to hear him and, uh, his journey, his story about writing. And, uh, and we have a good conversation. I, I think one of the things, if you're listening and you're, a, you're a Christian or writing in the Christian market is that it can be challenging. Um, if you don't have a big church or a big ministry or, uh, you know, have a million followers on 
you know, social media, it can be difficult to kind of break into the Christian publishing uh, arena. And so Tim talks a little bit about that very candidly. And so hopefully you'll find that helpful. And, and also talks a little bit about his process and how, why he was so resistant to start writing. And, and now he's kind of found his groove and, and really has just jumped in with both feet in, in the writing journey. And so I think you're going to really love uh, Tim, his spirit, his heart, and, uh, and hopefully you can take a lot away to apply to your own writer's toolbox. And uh, so we'll get to that in just a moment. Just a couple things before we get to the interview. Uh, one, as always, this show is brought to you by Project Entertainment Network and our stable of artists. And uh, and also our sponsor today is Subculture Corsets. Uh, com. And so if you are looking for some retro vintage cool kid clothes, uh, go check out their website. They have some cool stuff there. Um, alternative pinup, steampunk clothing, all kinds of cool stuff. Subculturecorsets.com. I'll put that in the show notes. If you go there today and you type in the prolific writer, you will get 10% off your next purchase. And if you're in the Jacksonville, Florida area, check them off, check them off. No, don't check them off. Check them out. They're just off I-95. You can actually visit their store as well, but they have a great online store as well. So subculture corsets, thanks for supporting this show and the multitude of shows on the project entertainment network. And they make all this possible. So thank you for that. And lastly, if you get a chance, we always love listener support. So please leave a review a comment, a nice thingy on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to the show. It really helps get the show out into the world. And uh, thank you so much for all the kind emails and notes on Facebook. And uh, it's just a, always a blast doing this show and meeting tons and tons of, of really cool uh, writers from all stripes, all backgrounds, doing the thing, writing the words. And I, I really hope that you find this show helpful. And I hope that every week you can find some inspiration and some tools to take with you to put in your writer toolbox. And that's really what we're after to help you write fast, often and well. That's the goal here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And without further ado, here is Tim Spikestra. Welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. This is uh, Ryan Pelton, and I am privileged today to have on the show Tim Spikestra. And uh, Tim is a is the founder and president of Ocean Ministries. It's a nonprofit with a mission of making the Father's love known to physical and spiritual orphans around the world. Uh, Tim's written a couple books: uh, The Journey of the Father's Heart and his latest one, Climbing Prayer Mountain, which we'll talk a little bit about. And uh, Tim's been doing ministry for over 25 years, uh, all over the place, um, Africa, Michigan, California. He's been there, done that in the prisons. And Tim is a great friend and a mentor. And it's so great to have him on the show. He's also married to Patty and has three children. So Tim, say hello and uh, fill in any blanks where I missed. Hey, Rye, great to great to just be with you and share with you and I think you covered it all, so that's all good. <laughs> well, good. Well, Tim, it's really good to have you on the show, and I've been privileged to be be a friend, and we've worked together, and we've done a lot of things together, and uh, and you've started writing books, and um, I'm actually shocked knowing you that it's actually taking you this long. So, um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about um, you know the couple books you've written in the last couple years, um, great books, and. Uh, and, and just a little bit of, you know, your, your transition kind of out of, you know, church kind of ministry to, you know, starting your own nonprofit and, uh, and, you know, writing these books and, and all those kinds of things. So, so why don't you just, just start in just your latest book, um, or even your last one, it doesn't matter, but, but talk a little bit just about, you know, why you decided to write these books, kind of what was the, the problems you were seeing? What was, you know, the, the thing that, that, you know, you needed to say and why you needed to say it. Um, so why don't you start there? Yeah. You know, I, I think I've never thought, um, I never thought I would write books. I remember telling Patty, never let me write books, (laughs) but God has a sense of humor. Uh, and I think both of them kind of came out of, um, you know, issues in my own life, my heart. Um, the first one, uh, 
my own issues as a child and dealing with God as father and things that happened in growing up and then getting involved in ministry and, and seeing so much hurt and so much pain because we don't understand who God the Father is and there are reasons for that and working in the prison and Africa, um, thought, you know, I need to, even for my own, just put this down and write this out and the first one came out of sabbatical that I took while I was pastoring and it was very, for me, it was very therapeutic and um, God just somehow worked in it and, um, you know, became a tool that I can use in prisons a lot and with people that are struggling with father wounds. And the second one, um, Climbing Prayer Mountain, uh, just came really out of a prayer time where I was frustrated with God for uh, kind of shutting down a ministry opportunity that we had uh, worked so hard to get prepared and it was in a prison and um, there was something that happened to the prison the night before and we were going to do a two-day seminar and it, it got shut down and people were flying out from California to be a part of it. And I just, you know, Lord, why? Why would you, why now? You know, we thought this was, you know, what you wanted us to do and and really, I was praying and crying out to God and, and reading uh, Mark chapter 9 and the story of the transfiguration. And, and as I was reading, reading it and praying through it, um, I just started thinking about the prayer lives of the people who were there, Elijah, Moses, Jesus, and Peter, uh, James, and John. And um, as I was just thinking about that, I pulled out my journal and started to take notes and not long after, I had an outline that I just felt impressed uh, to to write about and talk to the guy who does some of the editing for me and uh, prayed about it, and that's how that one came to be as well. That's great. You know, I one of the things we we talk a lot about on this this show is that like a lot of the best writing comes from really just personal struggle and and pain. Um, and you know, one of the things I've, I've tried to encourage people is, you know, whether you, you call yourself a writer or you want to write, but, but it can be, you mentioned it kind of therapeutic and it can be a way to kind of, uh, untangle our emotions and untangle our thoughts. And, you know, even just like you're saying, like when you're just in a hard place and God, why'd you do this? You know, a way to kind of express our our frustrations, you know, to God. And, um, I mean, I love the Bible for that reason, because of, you know, the Psalms it's, it gives us permission to kind of, you know, vent and, and, and tell God, Hey, what is going on here? Why, you know, why is this happening? And God's okay with it. I mean, that's the, the beauty of it too. Um, and so, so talk a little bit about, you said, you know, you told your wife, I don't ever want to write books. Um, but what I know of you, just we've been friends a long time, and I know you've been a journal, a journaler, if you will, um, for a long, long time. You've filled up, you know, notebooks and notebooks of of writing. Um, you know, as I always tell pastors too, those that that do listen to the show, you know, you know, hey, I'm not a writer. It's like, well, you usually write a sermon every single week. Um, so sometimes, you know, even pastors are the best writers because they they have this practice they've been doing for years and years and years. They just don't realize it. Um, but but talk a little bit about kind of that you know, that aha moment where you, you kind of realized, Hey, maybe, maybe I can do this, or maybe I want to do this. Um, and then talk a little bit about, you know, when you want, when you, when you did begin writing the books, you know, what were some of the challenges you had as you were kind of crafting them and putting them together? Cause they're obviously not sermons. They're not journal entries, you know, there's chapters and there's, you know, so talk a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, again, I, um, part of the reason not wanting to write, I think, I goofed around too much in English class in high school. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to do it all over again, I would have uh, paid more attention. Right. Um, but yeah, I never, um, never really saw myself writing or being a, you know, publishing. Um, but as you said, you know, writing sermons and back in the day, I used to have to write two sermons a week. So um, you learn to try to express your yourself. And uh, I had a friend of mine who pastored with me at one of the churches, and he kept saying, "Hey, hey, Tim, you need a you need to start writing that down or think about putting into a book." And you know, so God used him to kind of encourage me 
um, planted some of the seeds there. And then, you know, that whole idea of how could I help, you know, people at, at that time, especially prisoners, um, where I can't be there every day, but I could leave something with them that may help them. And I think when I decided to take my sabbatical, I thought, you know, this I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start writing about this. And um, you know, it, it went. You know, I, God gave me an outline and had all that, but. The tough part was when I had started with the sabbatical, I remember coming to Colorado, sitting at uh, a friend's place that they were letting me use, and it was so hard, Ryan, to just start <laughs> writing down that first chapter. I mean, I thought I was going to go crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and even, I don't know, a, a spiritual warfare, a battle, insecurities, mm-hmm fears who are you to write this down who do you think you are i mean crazy stuff and i i I remember calling my wife back in california saying patty you know you need to pray for me this is crazy just the thoughts that i'm having Mm. um but i just kind of put it down the next day i I started writing and uh, a freedom came and just could feel kind of a sense of the spirit's prompting and thoughts and ideas and pictures in the mind. So once I got into it, uh, it started to flow. Um, and so that was, there was a battle there. There was a struggle. There was a bunch of stuff going on, but once I started to, to get into the groove and then that's when it became really a blessing and therapeutic and it really made my sabbatical, a a, a, a great time of even, even healing, mm-hmm. um, just to bring some of this stuff to light. So, that process, once I got into it, it, it went fairly well. Um, but yeah, there's always a struggle. I think there's always, even in the the last book, um, you know, you had days that were easy um, mm-hmm. and days that were just ah, oh, this isn't this isn't coming together. And I, you know, I had had to learn to just walk away and say, okay, God, um, I don't want to do this with a striving spirit. Uh, I want this to be about your heart and me kind of being in tune with your heart. So sometimes I'd had to walk away, go pray for a while, put it put it away for a day, and then uh, get back to it. And and that usually helped uh, in the process. And and uh, many times there was joy because I realized that these thoughts and ideas, just like you know, as you know, as a pastor when you're writing a sermon and you know that God is prompting you in ways that you couldn't have thought of or expected. Um, that happened many times with climbing prayer mountain that, uh, just like the spirit started to direct. I may wanted to go one way with the day, but, uh, the spirit directed it another way. And it's like, Oh wow, I know God, you're in this process and, um, feel your spirit in it. And, and that's when there's joy and uh, there's just a sense of you're doing what God's called you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, I like what you're saying there. I, there. A couple of thoughts come to mind. One is, you know, even even if you're not a Christian, I think there's you just described what every writer goes through um, is that imposter syndrome. It's, you know, who are you to write this? What ex, you know, you don't have expertise in this. You don't even, you know, practice what you preach. You don't, you know, um, I think every writer, you know, you just nailed it. I mean, it's, it's that, how hard could this be? I got this idea. I got this message. I want to share it with the world. And then you sit down to write it and you just go, Oh my gosh, this is so difficult. And, and then you realize how inconsistent you are. Even, even the things you're trying to say, you, you say, man, my life is so <laughs> far from this, you know, ideally yep. it's like, we're just speaking in ideals, not in reality. Um, yep. and then I think there's also, you know, you said something interesting is that there's also, you just kind of have to trust, you know, the spirit, trust your intuition, trust, you know, your subconscious. I think a lot of writers get struggled or they struggle because they, they feel like, I don't, you know, what, what am I supposed to say? How do I keep going? But somehow that flow just comes. And I, I, you know, I try to encourage a lot of people that when they get kind of in those places of, I don't know what to do next. I don't know where to go. It's just to trust kind of that, that subconscious and the, the things that you believe in, the things that you want to say, and it, it'll come. I mean, that's, you know, it's not going to come out perfectly. Um, you know, that's what editing's for, but, 
Um, mm-hmm. But it will. I mean, it's you know, even when there's battles, you you sometimes, like you said, just walking away, praying, taking a breath, getting something to eat, giving it yeah. a day. You know, <laughs> you come back fresh and you go, okay, you know, there there's there's something here. I got to keep going. Um, and, and I think that's this is part of the the creative process too. Is you get kind of worn out creatively too sometimes, where you just feel like you don't have anything else to say, and you're kind of forcing it, and you know just walking away, taking a nap, whatever, just to kind of get back into it. Um, but yeah, thank you for for sharing that because I think a, a lot of people that are we have a lot of people listen to the show that are just starting writing, they got books they're trying to get out, or they're just starting projects, um, and they've hit that kind of you know, imposter syndrome resistance and they don't know what to do with it. And they think that's what's wrong with me. I know real writers don't go through this <laughs> and it's like, Nope, the minute you, you say, I'm going to do this, it's coming. So, um, so Tim, so tell me a little bit, I'm, I'm curious, you know, everyone has a, has a story and I know, um, you know, I know a little bit about your, your story, your upbringing and things. And, you know, and you said, well, Hey, I, I don't think I'm a writer, but can you think back even as a kid? I mean, was there ever, you know, what was your home like as far as creativity, writing? I mean, did you have any writers in your family? Did you read a lot? Like what, you know, were there any kind of influences growing up as far as reading and writing that, that kind of helped you as you kind of start writing your own books? Well, it's interesting. Um, my, my grandfather, um, I think he finished eighth grade was as high as he went. Um, but I used to go over to his house every summer in the morning and we had a lawn business and so we'd, we'd work out of his house. But when I would come in the morning, he was always writing. I mean, he would read a book and then he would journal on it or he'd read something from his Bible and journal and write. And he just, he had papers all over the place Hmm. um, where he would just kind of write his thoughts and feelings and he would let us sometimes read it. And, you know, as he passed away, I've, been able to read through a lot of his stuff, but just watching how he was, was able to center his life through writing his thoughts and feelings and uh, what he thought about a book or what he thought about a situation. Um, so he was probably the one that, at least for journaling, and that's kind of as a young boy, I started writing my thoughts and writing in journals and writing notes, and I think I get some of that from him, Uh um, to be honest. And, uh, yeah, and that's kind of – I'm a a very visual learner, so um, sometimes I would draw pictures in my journal um, of how I was feeling or uh, things that were going through my mind and uh, try to express myself through just a picture and then writing about it. Um, so that kind of goes way back to middle school, high school days, actually. Yeah. It's amazing how many, you know, people influence us and we don't really realize that it's happening. You know, when you're, when you're a kid, you don't really probably process it in the moment, but, um, yeah, I had a, I had an uncle, a great uncle that, uh, my grandfather's brother that, uh, he, he wrote poetry and, and I remember he actually had some stuff published and they, made this book and they gave it to me and our family. And it's when he's still alive, he's long since passed. But I just remember thinking that was like the coolest thing in the, in the universe. Like I have a family member who actually wrote something and published it and you can actually hold it in your hands. And, um, but you know, sometimes those, those influences, you know, are there. And I remember even as a kid, you know, bringing out the typewriter. I mean, I'm old enough to have, you know, we had typewriters and, um, and just pretending, you know, like I'm writing the story and, 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 you know, I think we're all, you know, because we're made by God, who is the, you know, the, the master storyteller, I think we're, cause we're made in his image we're we are storytellers by nature. I mean, we, you know, we sit down with people and we don't just say, let me give you a lecture. You know, we tell a story, right. We tell about our day. We tell about something that happened to us, you know? Um, and I, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that storytelling ability because you may, you're too humble to give yourself credit, but you're a great storyteller and uh, you always have great stories in your sermons and you also always, always have great, you had great stories in your books too. Um, So talk a little bit about that kind of um, where's the genesis of that um, as far as stories, how do you keep track of them? I mean, you have personal stories, you have stories from other, you know, people and things, but you really do a good job of weaving that into your books and your writing. And, and, you know, when you used to uh, 
you know, preach on a regular basis. I know you still speak a lot, but you tell great stories. And I think stories are really important when we think about writing. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, I'm probably the way God made my mind is I'm probably more, um, uh, you know, again, I see things in pictures and Mm -hmm. stories, um, help me remember, help me, um, process. Um, I'm, I'm probably not as Western in my thinking that way, Mm -hmm. uh, more, uh, Eastern, a little like Hebrew. Uh, and you know, I always loved, you know, as a kid hearing the Bible stories, you know, I just, I would Mm -hmm. sit there in Sunday school and, you know, I would just see it in my mind Mm -hmm. and, uh, that helped me learn, and that, that actually helped me memorize. I would, I would see patterns, and I would see, you know, patterns in Scripture in a visual way. So, um, so when I, you know, started to preach, especially uh, early on when I was in seminary, and I would go and I would speak in the prisons. If I gave the prisoners a lecture. Um, you know, they they would just kind of you could tell you would lose them. Mm-hmm. And I lost a lot of them because I would just take some of my seminary notes and kind of feed it back to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they'd start walking out of the room and everything. But when I would, you know, share a story or a biblical story or something from my life, uh, they would engage in that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are probably like me with some ADD where you're all over the place, but a story kind of helps connect it and bring it together. And so um, I found that in prison, if I did a lesson with a story, uh, they would be engaged in it. And then I, you know, you find that as a preaching too, that um, in the visual age that we live in, that stories really help, uh, you know, bring a truth about. So uh, that's kind of where some of that that came from. So you know, it's interesting, like Jesus, you know, he, he told stories more than anything else. I mean, he didn't get, even when he preached sermons, it's like, Hey, let me tell you what, you know, the father's love's like, you know, here's a son who goes off and, you know, squanders the father's wealth. And, you know, here's the older brother and, you know, the prodigal son story, or, you know, the kingdom of God's like a, you know, mustard seed, the kingdom of God's like a treasure that someone goes and finds and, you know, buys the whole field. Um, you know, it's interesting how Jesus used that to disarm his audience, you know, to, to kind of uh, say hard things without saying it directly. Like, Hey, you're going to, you know, you better get this or you're going to go to hell. I mean, that's not what, how he did it. He, he just said, he kind of invited them into the story and said, who are you in the story? You know, what's your response going to be? Um, and I think you're right. That's, that's kind of the, the power of story. I mean, whether you're, it's in the written form or, or a talk or a sermon or whatever, um, it kind of disarms the audience because you're not making judgments on them. You're, you're simply telling a story and kind of inviting them in to participate. Um, I think Eugene Peterson, you know, the one who wrote the the message and, you know, great pastor from a long time ago, you know, he said, storytelling is a form of hospitality. Um, and it really is. I mean, when you sit down and you, you have a meal with someone and you tell a story, you're, you're, you're kind of disengaging, you're disarming them and inviting them in to participate in, um, in a relationship. Uh, which is, I think, really powerful. So, so when you, um, along those lines, I'll keep going a little further. Uh, um, you know, as far as stories, like when you're writing um, your uh, latest book um, and the the one before, um, you know, you have these great stories in there. I mean, are these stories that just kind of came into your mind? Uh, did you say, hey, I want to include this story? Uh, do you did you have them written down? I mean, talk a little bit. How do you keep track of, or if you hear a great story? you know, someone tells you or you read something, I mean, do you write it down or how is that process for you? Yeah. The older, the older I get, (laughs) right. I have to write it down. (laughs) (laughs) I I used to be able to keep, uh, keep them in the filing cabinet of my mind a little better. Right. Um, but yeah, like just this morning I was reading something. Um, and you know, right afterwards I quick found my journal and uh, wrote it down just so that I would remember it. It was it was a great great story. So yeah, um, I think writing it down or you know just the impressions that you get through an experience, a personal experience, or something mm-hmm. 
that you, um, you know, you saw in a movie or heard from somebody. Um, yeah, you just, you try to file that, that away somehow, some way. And yeah, you'll be the crazy thing. Sometimes you'll be writing and I'm sure you've had this, or you'll be delivering a sermon and, uh, you know, God will give you a story to match what you're trying to teach, mm-hmm. um, that he reminds you of something in the past or something from your childhood. And, and that's the magic of writing a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll be writing about a theme or a subject, and that will trigger something way back in the resources of my, my brain. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you know, remember that event or remember that thing that happened to you as a kid that I hadn't maybe thought about for mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. But as I write or, you know, uh, think, think that through, a thought or a, a story will come back to mind, which, mm-hmm. yeah, you sense God's spirit in that as well. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's interesting because, you, you know, you're talking about, you know, as you get older, you forget things. But it's something about even writing it down that it kind of puts it back in your brain, you know, where it kind of... It's that pro. I think even just the man, you know, if you do it, I mean, you can obviously do it on your computer, but even something about picking up a pen mm-hmm. and, you know, they started to do studies on this, like, you know, just the analog way, putting it on paper, it actually kind of connects to your brain. It's just a different mm-hmm. way of kind of engaging um, where that story sticks in there. It's like, oh, there, there it is. And like you said, you know, sometimes it's those stories that are way back from years and years and years ago, but something just triggers it and it just comes mm-hmm. to light and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um no, I think that's great. I, I think, um, you know, when we think about stories, I mean, people always worry, you know, do I have anything to say? You know, I want to write this book. Or I got this message and, you know, how do I say it? And, and I think people need to also just just trust their intuition. Like we are just storytelling creatures. Like you have tons and tons of experiences and stories that are that are actually in there. If we just trust, you know, kind of trust the process and um, don't worry that they're going to somehow disappear, even if you didn't write them down. Um, but uh so, um, so let's talk a little bit more, um, about, you know, you write, you're writing obviously specifically Christian books kind of in the Christian marketplace. And, uh, you know, we've had some different Christian authors on the show and one of the, the challenges, you know, I mean, for those that don't write in the Christian space, they don't really know this, but, um, one of the challenges as, as a Christian writer is, you know, if you're not a big name, you know, pastor or ministry leader or, you know, have a huge church or whatever, um, it, it can be difficult to, you know, get published or get noticed or whatever. Um, how, how have you kind of, you know, just when you thought about, you know, writing these books, getting them out into the world, I mean, you know, you've you obviously made a transition away from kind of local church ministry to starting your own nonprofit. Um, have you found that kind of in the Christian space to, to be true as far as getting kind of your message out there? Um, the types of books that are being written, you know, um, you know, any thoughts on that just as you kind of begin this journey in writing? Yeah, it's, uh, I think for me, I, when I, when I started writing, I, you know, I had no idea of how to even get the book out there. Um, so it, it is an interesting thing how that, that works. Um, and in the Christian publishing, you have, you know, these big publishers and, um, it's interesting now you don't have the, the Christian bookstores. Like when I was a kid, where you could walk in and and find a, a whole bunch of Christian books, but that's all changed too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know it's what I have found. I, I don't know if are you asking how the process of getting the book out there, or you know letting people know about it, or just. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. what was kind of your, your thought? I mean, were, did you ever consider like, you know, I'm going to try to pitch this to a big Christian publisher. Or I'm just going to, you know, just go the self-publishing indie publishing route. I mean, did you do, do any, um, you know, research on, on all avenues or yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, I, when I wrote the first one, there was a ministry that said that they would like to help publish it. Mm-hmm. Um, the ironic thing is that ministry went through some turmoil and uh, change of leadership, and so they didn't. It, that whole thing fell fell apart, which was really good <laughs> because it made me, uh, you know, look into publishing a little bit. I I had talked with a friend who uh, does some writing, um, 
you know, with some Christian, she's an editor for uh, some Christian authors. Um, one of them is she's done some work with Philip Yancey. And so I went and I talked with her about it and she was actually trying to get a book published as well that she was writing. And even though she had done publishing with Philip Yancey, um, the public, the big guys would not take her mm-hmm. because they felt like she didn't have enough, uh, people, you know, enough people following her on social media and all that. Um, So that kind of discouraged me from even trying that route. Mm -hmm. So a friend said, hey, you know, I'll help you, you know, self-publish it and Mm -hmm. I'll work with you on that. And so that that's kind of how it it happened. And and, uh, you know, through word of mouth and seminars or speaking, you know, people hear about it. the, the, the second book I published, a friend is going into the publishing business and has done some of that uh, for magazines and other things like that. So I kind of gave the book over to him and said, here it is. Um, do with it what you want. And he's been able to get it out there on social media a little bit more and mm-hmm. uh, get it to different places. And uh, he's done a you know fairly good job with it, but um, yeah, it's it starts small, and um, I think my goal was never to be famous, other than if it could help some people and mm-hmm. help people um, connect with even one other person. Um, and then this, you know, you, I get stories back of people reading it. A guy in a Hawaii, uh, a business guy. Um, somehow got a hold of it and you know it's those stories and how that book impacted him that mm. that hey it, it was all worth it all the time all the energy mm-hmm. if you know one person is blessed by it so that's kind of been my philosophy if god wants to do more with it mm-hmm. hey that's great but i'm just going to do my best and yeah. um yeah so I think the publishing world, it's a difficult time right now. It's a changing season of, yep. uh, I think, a lot of people self-publishing and they're getting it out to the people or their tribe, people who know them or mm-hmm. people who follow them on social media. And uh, it's a whole different world. So it can it can explode because of social media. So mm-hmm. um, I would say to anyone, if they're thinking about writing, and you know go for it mm-hmm. you know you, you, you just don't know until you do it and mm-hmm. see what happens but yeah it's worth the risk mm-hmm. yeah i think there's there's so many more options now too i mean you don't have to just go the traditional route um and you can get your book directly to people you know through self-publishing or you know through your website or you know, so, uh, all the different channels, which is, uh, I think exciting in, in many ways, because you don't have to be, especially for Christians that are listening, you know, that, that are worried, well, I don't have a big church. I'm not, I don't have a million followers on social media. Um, you know, how do I do this? And, uh, you know, it's just, I think it's just slow and steady and getting, you know, just keep writing and, and getting the word out. And over time, you know, people will find you. It's just kind of, kind of how it works. And I think, you know, that's the myth is that people think it's, you know, big marketing dollars, but really it's still word of mouth. I mean, that's how, Mm-hmm. I find the books I like, I mean, his friends going, Hey, have you checked this out? Have you, you know, mm-hmm. um, and probably most people, that's how your books get found is, Hey, this, you know, this really encouraged me. You should check it out. Um, and yeah, that, that kind of slow and steady now. Um, so what, what I love about your books, you know, and I, and I don't want to be, you know, negative towards Christian publishing, but you know, in, in our space, there is definitely kind of a, self-help, you know, prosperity kind of vibe, you know, um, stuff that gets sold, you know, kind of Joel Osteen type stuff or mm-hmm. a lot of Amish fiction, you know, and <laughs> the Christian, you know, that's just kind of weird and bizarre. Um, but you know, you've written these books one, you know, I love the, the, um, I'm still working through your prayer book, but the, the journey of the father's heart, um, you know, talks a lot about, um, you know, you, you talk about your struggle growing up with the dad who, you know, was an alcoholic and, you know, your parents going through divorce. And so have, having this, this idea of, you know, God being father is, is difficult for a lot of people, especially if they didn't have great fathers or absent fathers or, you know, fathers that weren't, weren't around. Um, and then you wrote a book on prayer. Now in the history of the world, those two subjects, there's been a lot of things written about these subjects. 
And one of the things that I, I hear often is, well, I, you know, I'm just going to write a book that, you know, a million people have already written. Why do I, why do we need more books? Why do we need more, more subjects on this or thoughts on this? Tell me a little bit about, you know, why these subjects and what makes your books kind of unique in that way that obviously, you know, there's been a lot of books written on prayer, but, but what, what kind of makes yours unique? What, what's your unique angle, which, why did you kind of write on this subject in particular? Um, and you know, those that are looking at your books and going, Hey, I, I like to read that. What, what kind of makes it like, what, what were you hoping to kind of accomplish through these two books? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, I was just looking at my library earlier today and I have a whole section on prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so why another book on prayer? Why another book on the father? Um, And I think it goes back a little bit to what we, we go back to the story and God has, you know, created us in his image and we live in this fallen world and he redeems us and he gives us a story to tell and he gives us experiences that, you know, are unique to us. Um, you know, uh, each of us, ha- each of us has a story. And so my story about my journey to the father's heart is, is going to be different from somebody else's mm. story or how I pray or how God meets me because I'm created unique in the image of God. I'm, I'm not like uh, other people. You're not like other. We're all unique. And so God meets us in in unique ways and gives us these different types of experiences that somebody might be able to relate to my story and my difficulty with my dad and parents' divorce and alcoholism um, that is unique and that story God may use to, to touch a certain person that another book uh, won't touch. Um, you know, that, that that bookshelf of prayer, I have all these different books, but there are some books on that shelf that minister to me um, like no other book. Mm-hmm. And I'll go back to that book again and again and again. And there's other books, you know, they're good and I'm blessed by them, but there's some that really speak to my heart because some something with the author connects to to my heart, his experiences, what he went through, his passions, his desires. Maybe they're similar to mine. Maybe I feel like he knows who I am as I read that. Um, So I think there's always more room for other books Mm -hmm. because there's six billion, seven billion people on the planet, (laughs) right? So um, that, that our particular story and the impressions that we've been given can maybe help somebody else who can relate to that Mm -hmm. story. No, that's, I mean, that's the message I I preach here too. It's, it's, you know, it's because it's your voice, it's your angle, it's your worldview, it's your experience that makes that book unique. You know, it's, it's the way you tell a story. It's the way, you know, your voice comes out through that, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, you've been a, a preacher for a lot of years and, and I've done that too. And, and, you know, I preach a sermon different than you do because it's my own voice. It's my own personality. It's, you know, I'm not you, you're not me. And, and I think that's, what's beauty, beautiful about books is that we're not going to run out of ideas. Like you said, I mean, you got a whole, you know, how many books do I have on prayer? It's like, do we need another one on prayer? But the way you tell the story, the way you, you know, framed it. Um, one of the things, those that are listening and you're interested in Tim's book is, um, I like the way you, you broke it down. And if people don't don't know, it's kind of written more in a devotional way. So you, it's 40 days where you can actually kind of walk through for 40 days these different topics of prayer and scripture reading and questions. So it's very interactive, which um, people should know, those that are listening. Um, but, but again, that makes it unique. I mean, there's a lot of books out there that aren't written that way. You know, they're just books on maybe a theology of prayer or you know, um, or, or deal with a specific kind of praying and, uh, or, you know, the Lord's prayer or whatever. Um, but this is, I, I love the way you kind of, um, you know, did this book because it's, it's kind of like, you could use it in a, you know, in a small group setting, you could use it, you know, with a family, you could use it individually. It's kind of very, um, uh, user-friendly practical in that way. Um, now, was that something when you kind of were beginning, to kind of put your own spin on the prayer book. Was that um, something kind of in your mind or did that come later as far as, um, you know, how to kind of put it together? Yeah. You know, the, the idea of keeping it a little shorter and 
you know, with prayer prompts. A, a friend of mine, the, the friend who helped um, publish it, um, we kind of dialogued back and forth, and he had the idea of, hey, Tim, I think this would be a great vehicle for small groups um, or small Bible studies um, and also could be used by an individual. So, you know, we talked it through, and, um, yeah, I think we can go that way. So he really kind of gave me the motivation to to uh, to have, like, you know, the prayer prompts and the, the study questions and uh, if people wanted to do it in a group or even by themselves. So that's kind of how that came out to be like. That's great. Yeah, I really, I really like the format. I was actually when you when you had written it, and I first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh, this is totally different than what I was thinking," you know. And uh, I love it. Um, so let's let's dig in just for for a little bit here. I want to get into. Um, I find this this part always helps a lot of writers, and because everybody's different, you know, one one writer's process is different. But I think there's always some things we can kind of learn from each other. Um, so let's talk about a little about your process. So you got this idea for a book. Um, either one of, you know, your process is probably different for both books, but got an idea to walk us through kind of your daily like routine. I mean, are you, um, you know, trying to write a chapter a day? Are you setting out, you know, word count, you know, pages? Are you, you know, and then kind of walk us through, you know, from once you kind of have a rough draft, the editing, proofreading design, kind of go, go through the whole kind of, kind of, uh, process of idea all the way to book, uh, in your hand that we can actually buy. Yeah, the idea, you know, germinates and then I write down usually an outline and like the last book that came really fast uh, and in 40 day, you know, and so I just filled in the days mm-hmm. um, and then go back and begin the, uh, you know, the writing process after the outline was done. Make sure you find a good coffee shop or, <laughs> you know, a place for me. It's I need need a place that I can will help my creativity. Uh-huh. So um, so usually if I can look out a window and you know just be in a certain specific place that usually I'll continue to go to, mm-hmm. um, and I will write usually in the mornings because that's when I'm the best mm-hmm. and the freshest, and I'll write till about one o'clock in the afternoon and and then I turn it off. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when my mind gets tired. So a good time for me to write is in, in the early morning till about one o'clock. Mm-hmm. And, um, for the climbing prayer mountain, I would, you know, do a, usually write a chapter, um, for that, that book, it was 40 days. So I would do a day at a time. Um, so, you know, try to do maybe five, five days, like a week, um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, go through that and then reread it and change it. And then, uh, my wife has been a great editor and I would, uh, let her read it. We would talk through it together. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, two other people that did editing as well. And, um, after my wife, it would go to them and we would go through it and they would, you know, give ideas and we'd go back and forth. And, um, yeah, and then once that whole editing process is done and, uh, this friend named Henry Mirsma does my graphics and we go over what that would look like and, uh, how you would set up chapters and go over, Hey, what do you think of this font? What do you think of this, uh, scene? What do you think this for a cover? Mm -hmm. And, uh, then we go from there and, send it to be published. Great. So are you, um, are, do you have kind of, you know, how, how long I should say this, how long did it take you to write like each, each book, like from, from beginning to end? Well, the climbing prayer mountain went relatively fast cause it was just, just came. And so that one, uh, you know, it's probably three, know three months um and then plus some of the editing and the questions the other one took a lot longer because of stops and goes and Mm -hmm. sabbatical ended so that one was well over a year um i'm I'm working on another one right now that 
that actually has been done. It was done before climbing Prayer Mountain, but uh, there's some things I want to do to it. And that one's that one's been uh, probably a year and a half process. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, one went really fast, Ryan. Mm-hmm. One went slower and one went really slow. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think that's a, you know, I'm glad you're saying that because I, people listening, they need to hear that. Like sir, it just every project is different. You know, you can't just say, well, this one, it's always going to be, you know, three months. It's always going to be six months. It, you just don't know. Um, mm-hmm. You run into problems. You know, I like that you have, you know, your wife, you have other proofreaders, editors, because they're, you know, probably giving you ideas and going, yeah, I don't know if this works or I don't understand this or, and so, yeah, you're always making changes and sometimes the changes take forever and then that, that change forces you to change something else or, you know, it just all depends. It depends if it's, it's also if it's heavily researched, you know, especially if it's nonfiction, you know, do you have to do footnotes and, you know, add quotes and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I know some of my books that have more research in them, they just, that's the part I hate is, you know, the footnoting and making sure that's all right and finding the quotes and all that kind of stuff. Um, so are you, uh, as far as your books, are they just on Amazon or are they kind of all over the place? Yeah, they're right now, uh, Amazon. I had, I had one, the first one was in a Christian bookstore in California. Um, and then the last, the climbing prayer mountain, um, the, the man who published it created his own website for it. That links back to Amazon, but okay. yeah, so it's basically through Amazon um, that they're sold. Okay, great. Well, Tim, hey, it's been great. Uh, as far as where people can find you, uh, the best place, website, find your books. Um, obviously, you just mentioned Amazon; they're all over the place. But do you um, is your do you, do you have a personal website or just the ocean the your ministry? Yeah, if they just that's probably the easiest is to Oceans Ministries um website and the the two books are on there as well and it yeah. it will lead you to maybe another website for climbing prayer mountain but that's yeah, that's the best way to check it out. Well, great. Well, hey Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know um you're going to help a lot of people with this interview and your books are going to help a lot of people. And uh, just continue to do what you're doing. And uh, and uh, you're just a blessing to me and to a lot of people. So thank you. Well, thank you, Ryan. It's great to just talk with you. And I'm blessed by what you're doing. And you keep writing, too. So Will God do. bless. Once upon a time, a madman, poet, and thief known as John Urbansick. That's me challenged himself, myself, to write a story a day, every day, for a year, by hand. Some of them worked. Some of them failed. Some of them were spectacular. Then I did it again. Join me every week for Ink Stains as I do it a third time, and I will read you some of these stories. I'll talk about the process, about creativity in general, writing in specific, and maybe I can help ignite your artistic adventures. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. 